Ladies and gentlemen, get those dollars ready. Coming up next to the stage on the Other Ground Podcast, it's your host, Passive J and Ryan. Good afternoon. That's right. It is another edition of the Other Ground Live. I'm Passive J. That's right over there. How you doing, Ryan? You know, it's a day. <laughs> Speak longer than that, sir, please. I need a, a, a second. You can't go like 30 seconds on a goddamn podcast without needing a break. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> no, I'm typing to our very special guest. So sometimes I do need you to actually be a co-host. You're not entirely here just to make fun of me, just like, you know, mostly. No, I'm just here for one-liners and generally about you. Um, but other than that, I'm not here to take up time saying nothing because you want to play typey-typey and you can't type and talk at the same time. Well, I'm just not very good at it. Come on, man. You know, you should be able to support me. You're not very nurturing. You're goddamn right I'm not very nurturing. <laughs> well, fine. I, I guess I'll do it I'm all on my own, just like everybody else. <laughs> You're goddamn right. You need to get better at these things. Like, if you can't I multitask know, at the ripe young age of 67, like, 67. get on that. Yeah, I see how you are. Well, as it turns out, uh, um, you know, I, I we have better things to talk about than my age. I we what the fuck word is that? I we we have better things to talk about than my age. We're going to have a special guest tonight, uh, who who's going to be calling in any time now. Uh, she is professional MMA fighter. She fights for Invicta, and the first uh, professional female fighter with autism as well. So we should have all kinds of interesting things to say to her. And let us welcome Serena Southpaw Outlaw to Jesus. How you doing, Serena? I'm good. It's De Jesus, but it's okay. I oh, live in a place where everybody says to Jesus. Yes, <laughs> it's okay. Aww. Everybody does. I, I, you, I, don't think you've, I don't think you've actually said your last name in front of me out loud before. So I have that in my defense. No, <laughs> it's okay because I just put myself as Serena Southpaw because it's a lot more catchier anyways. So. Right, right, right. Right, no problem. I'll give yeah. you a break on that one. Oh, I appreciate that. So how are you doing? Uh, how's your day going so far? Um, I'm in my house and what a time to be alive. You know, if I go out to the store, I'm like, you know, going out with a mask and not getting yelled at to get the fuck out. So that I got that going for me. <laughs> Isn't it so surreal? I mean, I, if you would have told me that this was going on like three or four months ago, I flat out wouldn't have believed you. It's a fucking month since my last fight in Invicta. And it does not feel like it. It feels like way longer has passed than just a month. And I'm just sitting here going like, what am I going to do? Because I'm working out in my garage. I'm playing PS4 and, you know, about to like jump every moment at the new uh, Resident Evil 3 that I'm, that, um, that's going on. It's, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, uh, Serena, this is my co-host Ryan. Ryan, this is Serena. Uh, Ryan's an asshole, but we don't, we uh, like him anyways. I'm not an asshole. Oh, I'm great. We can all be assholes together. This is glorious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we should try to do the professional part of this show first before we get around to being assholes. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, you, you are a professional fighter. Uh, how did you get your start in that? I mean, what, so, what, what, was your, what was your motivation to get into it in the first place? 
a lot of nerdy shit, actually. So what happened is, um, as a little girl, what I did is like, you know, every time I did well on my tests or whatever, Friday night was going to the video store, you know. I just probably dated myself by saying go to the video store. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I'd be getting my anime because I was all up into anime, even at a young age. And I also loved Street Fighter and Tekken and Sailor Moon and all that. So while I was getting my taste, my dad was getting whatever he was getting. I didn't know at the time. So one day I come down and I see him watching a UFC tape. It is Gary Goodridge versus Paul Herrera. And the transition to the crucifix looked like something like my favorite character from Tekken King would have done for, you know, grappling wise. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yo, this is the coolest shit ever. And I just became a fan of it. And I just watched as I grew up, you know, saw the rise and fall of pride, you know, WEC wreckage, elite XC, all of that. And it was great. You know, I just, I really loved it. Then after high school ended, because I was into athletics, it kind of gave me something to do and felt like it gave me some purpose. Mm -hmm. And I do fuck up people with King too. dose. Me too. I'm still a King stand to this day. Um, but yeah, I just got into training. I just wanted to see what it was like. So I'd be a more intelligent fan. You know, if I was going to be talking shit about fights, at least I should know what the hell's going on first. But then I just fell in love with it. My first jujitsu fights turned into my first Muay Thai fights. And my first Muay Thai fights eventually turned into my MMA fights. And even in between those transitions, there were some journeys that were involved in there. Like when... Like, honestly, between the whole Muay Thai bouts to transitioning to MMA is how I met my bestie, uh, Roxanne Mataferi. So I was a college student. I worked and I trained. So I had no social life. Not much has changed. But um, <laughs> what happened is um, I went to Thailand and I trained there in 2013 for about a month. And I wanted to go back the next year because every summer is what I call a traincation because my school's out. Um, you know, I have less hours from work. So I'm like, you know what, let me treat myself and, and you know, and also improve myself. So Good I job. wanted to go back in 2014, but there are political riots in Thailand. I'm not going to Thailand by myself when shit's gone crazy. Mm -hmm. So at this point I found out Roxy, who I've been a fan of and watched her fights on YouTube, you know, since I was in middle school, I'm like, all right, she can either say yes or no. No is the worst thing she's going to say. Cause she's so nice. And so I'm typing her like, hey, Roxy, may I please train with you at your gym since you're stateside? I am not creepy. You know, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I didn't say that. But she said yes. And because everybody asked to train with her. But according to her, I was the only person who showed up and actually took it seriously. So as soon as she said, yeah, I'm like, okay, I'll see you in two months. Bought my tickets and just go. And I spent the entire summer in Las Vegas versus where I'm originally from and Philadelphia. So I was dying in the heat, but I was loving every single second of training out there. And between our, you know, love of anime and fighting, we just became best friends. And then I went from having my fight camps out in Las Vegas and fighting and then flying back home. So that happened for, you know, from 2014, 15, but then 2016 shit got kind of, kind of weird. I had like this cross country odyssey. So after my third fight, this is a story. I fought a deaf woman. So, yeah, I was just like an autistic uh, an autistic woman and a deaf woman walk into a cage. This almost sounds like the opening of a bad joke. But oh, yeah, it gets no worse because <laughs> it gets worse because this is in the ballroom of an Italian restaurant. And the cage is like inches away from touching the ceiling. I'm looking at myself 
look at the situation. I'm like, how the fuck is any of this sanctioned? But it is. <laughs> so I fight, I win. You know, it's kind of like a short bus cage match, as my mom called it. You know, the winner got to ride the normal bus home, so go me. And um, after that, Misha Tate, of all people, took me out for a victory dinner because Misha Tate was uh, Roxy's coach on the ultimate fighter on season 18. Yeah, mm -hmm. So she took me out to dinner. I'm thinking like, you know, I'm going to splurge her, split the bill. It was nice hanging out. She's a friend. And she's like, no, I got this. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I'm like three and oh, as an amateur, what the hell am I going to do for this woman? Who's on top of the world about to fight for the title. So I, my idiot face blurs out. Hey, if you need a South pole striker to help you, you know, I I'm always around. I'm thinking she's not going to take me seriously. It's just, you know, I blurted it out. Right. So lo and behold, a month or two passes and she calls me. She's like, hey, Serena, would you like to be part of my fight camp for a week? The snow is like past my knees in Philadelphia. So I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> so I get the, 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 you know, the cheapest and fastest uh, flight I can out of uh, Philadelphia to Las Vegas. And while I'm training with Misha and basically getting ragdolled and thrown around, um, what's happening is Andrea KGB Lee, who's still in Invicta, um, tapped me on the shoulder. She's like, hey, would you like to be part of my fight camp in Shreveport, Louisiana for three weeks? I'm fighting on Invicta. And I'm like, okay, sure. I've never been to Louisiana and she seems nice. Cool. Let's do it. So um, I hung out with her and that was definitely a different change of pace and lifestyle and everything. But mm -hmm. damn, that girl's a monster. I, and she's the nicest human being. I love her. But after right. that, I found out Roxanne was on the same damn Invicta card she was. So I'm like, okay, this spells I have to fly back to Vegas. So I'm flying back to Vegas to watch these two fight and find a fight of my own. But I couldn't. So I'm getting mad. I'm like thinking, shit, I got to go back to Philadelphia. The flights are expensive. This is some bullshit. And then while I'm doing it, my parents are like, Serena, everything you need is there. Philly ain't got nothing for you anymore fight-wise. Stay there. And this was kind of like our crossroad moment. It's like I've never wandered so far from my family, let alone like to the other side of the country. So, but they were right. So I found a place in Las Vegas um, and I've stayed with syndicate and in Las Vegas ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a really underrated uh, MMA gym. You, I don't see it getting nearly as much credit as it really should, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of one of those gyms that I feel is on the up and up where, you know, I might be a little biased, but <laughs> let's look at the improvement at like some of our fighter you know some of the fighters in there we have we have um natan levy who's like you know this amazing karate black belt who's like undefeated right now in lfa we have sherrod blackledge who's just been on a tear he's undefeated so far in his pro career and then we, of course we got roxy we've got me and now we have jojo who's on the cusp now of fighting for a world title against valentina shevchenko which I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have a heart attack and probably be like four tequila shots deep while that fight's happening just to you know, <laughs> keep myself a little cool. But yeah, it no, is what it is. I think yeah. we got a lot of growth in this gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's such a nice lady. It's going to be hard to watch that fight regardless of the results because, you know, that same problem I have when I watch you and Roxy fight, actually. Once you, be you become personalized, it's hard to watch somebody fight and take damage and, you know, all mm -hmm. like win or lose, man. I don't know how your guys' families do it, to be honest with you. Well, in all honesty, you know, my family says this is, the, you know, being in the sport has been the happiest and the healthiest they've ever seen. You know, if that doesn't make you wonder what the fuck have I done with my life outside of fighting? I mean, this <laughs> opens a whole other can of worms, you know? 
<laughs> well, well, yeah. And actually, I've read articles uh, saying how uh, you said the training really helps if you're autism and such as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually a study that came out that it helps with, you know, executive function within the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, you know, parents were noting, like, you know, their behaviors improved and everything. And that's how I feel. You know, like when I was when I wasn't in, you know, the sport, I would stim a lot more. I'd be a lot more flustered. You know, being autistic, the world for for lack of better term is more abrasive, like the lights, the noise, the everything, just all your sensory stuff is just like really heightened. And it, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't feel like that, but it does. So it's right, kind right. of like one of these adapt or die situations. And that's all I've done. But training and of course, copious amounts of CBD has really helped me along in life. Right, right. Yeah, I can imagine. So yeah, we, we spoke about that the last time I saw you, uh, how um, that almost as much training as much as training and how there's really not a lot of experience, uh, excuse me, a lot of research into that yet, although it's advancing every day, obviously. Um, so it mm-hmm. has helped you quite a bit, though, you say, huh? Absolutely. Hey, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. What do we want to talk about next? Uh, well, you know, uh, following your career, you've had some pretty interesting fights. Uh, what would be your favorite mm-hmm. one? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be MMA. It could be in your Muay Thai career as well. Uh, my favorite fight was my last Muay Thai fight. Um, it was, well, my first fight in a casino ever. And I also broke someone's ribs with my knees. It was awesome because this girl was also talking shit. So I got to like put some justice all up on that bitch, you know? <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> See, I, I always so liked that. I liked that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, no, it was so funny is when I hit her with the um, – when I hit her with knees, because wh- what I did is I got her into her corner and I started my clinch because as evidence for my last fight, my clinch game's pretty strong, I would like to think. So I felt I need her right in the floating rib and I felt like a crunch, like when you crack your knuckles and I'm thinking, okay, maybe some muscle shifted, maybe that's cartilage. But um, the promoter a few days later um, told me, yeah, I broke two of her ribs. Ouchie. well maybe she won't talk as much shit next time around you know just things you don't do (laughs) i I appreciate someone trying to promote the fight but really that's not necessary you know i've always been a uh, big fan of the respect part of the game you know i don't you don't need to talk Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of trash to get me interested in the fight i'm gonna watch the fight if you're if i think you guys are good and it's an interesting fight that's always turned me off and and that's one of the things i really hate about uh, how mma's went in the last four or five or six years how uh people are rewarded for trash talking so much. And I can kind of get like, if someone's talking trash, at least make it entertaining. This girl <laughs> did it. She's just like, Oh, I'm gonna fuck you up. Mike. Dude, you, you realize I've grown up in the, in the barrio hearing that like 5,000 times Th- right. that really doesn't phase me. So it's just like, <laughs> dude, you're sure sh- you're like an inch shorter than me. And you're, yeah, you're a bit more stout, but it don't matter. Come get catch these shins and catch these fucking knees. But yeah, I mean, in the sport of trash, in the realms trash talking with the sport, like I don't mind it as long as it's clever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you're not capping, you're not faking it, you know? Like, let's let's flip the script. Like Colby Covington, he's an amazing fighter, but his entire persona and his thing is a fucking work. You know, because right, I've seen yeah. him in the Performance Institute. He is very quiet, very meek, you know, he's the entire polar. So it's like, this is the capping bullshit I'm talking about, you know, 
great, like I said, great fighter. No one can take that away, but his whole persona and shtick just needs to go. But right. it's getting him money and it's getting him attention. That's why he's doing it. Same thing with H- Henry Cejudo with the triple cringe. Um, <laughs> all of that. Right, right, right. So, yeah, yeah I it, mean, I get it. But it's just like I miss the realness. I miss the grittiness. You go turn around and since we all have time to sit around, you go watch the old UFC fights. You didn't see as many rivalries. But when there was bad blood, it was genuine. They hated each other. That's the shit I like to see. Right. But yeah, exactly. now it's just like, oh, it's just business. Or, you know, they're just running their mouth because now everybody's like clamoring for attention on social media and that clout, you know? Right, exactly. Like when Chuck Liddell said he didn't like Tito Ortiz, you don't you didn't think he was faking it for the cameras, you know? You knew that shit was. Oh, hundred percent not. Yeah. And with Silva versus Sana, like Sana and let's be real, Sana like made the fights and bought it up, but at least he was pretty genuine with things, but Silva mm-hmm. was pissed. You yeah. know, Tito versus, you know, and Tito and um and Shale don't like each other as you see that. I mean, right, yep, yep, those yep. beasts were genuine. Yeah. yeah, well, the Tito side of everything, you never know, because because uh, I'll give him credit, he is quite the showsman. So I never, on his side, mm-hmm. you never knew whether it was emotion or, you know, him being uh, a showsman. On the other side, it was always pretty fucking real. <laughs> No matter who he was beefing with, on the other side, they were pretty serious about it. Oh, someone just asked about Invicta Pay. So that is relative, and that all depends on management. Right now, I can say I'm doing okay for only two-ish fights. Well, tech- I say two-ish because my last fight was a tournament. So I fought two times in a night. So, But those fights, because there were only one round apiece, count as an exhibition. So that's why I'll say two-ish. Like, to me, it still was real. But on the record, those two fights will still be an exhibition and then the fight before that, you know? Right, right, right. So that may, that makes it more complicated on the pay thing because they're not considered like normal fights. Oh, anyways. it does. Okay. Well, for I'll say this. For that tournament, I made twice the money in, in a night, which was actually pretty sweet. So I made twice my, you know, normal pay. <laughs> right, right, right. Wh- like, thank one? you, Stray. Stray, so, someone called. Stray just called me a prop. Thank you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that these and that comments call, are pretty lit, though. Are, are they? <laughs> <laughs> See, it's the best part of the show. I, I tell people that you can go back and listen to the show, but it's not nearly as uh, good as uh, listening to it live because the chat box is full of insanity. <laughs> That's the OG over there. <laughs> yeah, and back, I love but it. Back, back to that tournament thing. That whole thing was fucking bullshit. Anyways, I saw that. That there was no way you lost that second fight. That was I. I haven't met a single oh, person that said that said so. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with knowing in your heart you one hundred percent won and you can't even find someone to disagree with you? You know, how do how do you deal with that well, kind of emotion? I know my face wasn't cut up and my ear didn't look like it was eight months pregnant. And then when everybody. In the, in the stadium who were seated on the floor came up and like surrounded me and high-fiving me saying I was winning. Then mm-hmm. I pick up my phone downstairs and seeing everyone saying I got robbed and mm-hmm. half the roster downstairs. Like we have Lisa Verzoza, we have Kerry Kennison, we have Hope Chase, we even have the girl who won the tournament, Tanisha Tennant and others say that I won that second fight against uh, Gordado. So, I mean... 
when you have all that evidence, it's not just your, you know, people blowing smoke up your ass, you know you won. It's, I guess it's not my fault the judges were playing Fruit Ninja on their phone or some shit. <laughs> well, that's a good attitude to have about it. I'm not quite sure if I'd be quite so, you know, um, forgiving of the judges. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess when that's the profession you're in, you have to prepare yourself for those sort of things occasionally. Oh, I still don't forgive the judges, but hearing that everyone said they're wrong made things a little easier to deal with. And it didn't count to my record, which was nice. That right, part right. was nice. That bullshit called and count to my record. And I still got double my pay. You know, right, I wasn't, right, right. I wasn't even mad. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and like you said, since everyone knew you won the fight anyways, it will help your matchmaking career yeah. in the future as well. So it's oh, oh, obviously mm -hmm. it was a good experience overall, probably. Yeah. And you get to the beat first beat, fight beat, was, beat was neat. Yeah, that first fight was neat. So Carrie Kennison and I are really, really cool with each other because when I made my debut in Invicta in November, we we're fighting on the same card. She fought Lisa Verzoza. And, you know, we both, the night didn't go our way and stuff. And we kind of hung in there, you know, for solidarity and stuff. But at that fight, you know, for the tournament, we don't know who we're fighting until after ceremonial weigh-ins. They literally had a box where they picked people's names out. So wow. I was the first one called. I'm like, oh, shit, who am I fighting? And then they're like, Carrie Kennis. I'm like, God damn it. Her, really? <laughs> you know, it's hard fighting somebody you're cool with, but that's the nature of the beast. We signed up for it. And right. people gave me a 15% chance to beat her because she's three and two. She just fought one tough bitch the fight before. And I fucking did work, you know? I'm really grateful because I after my last fight, loss i really took some time to do my homework and i realized i needed to do some tweaking and i tweaked my my clinch game and my muay thai game i started training with marvin uh beastman eastman so for any of you old school mma guys you know who that is oh yeah <laughs> okay slide dog just asked me a question my normal weight and my walking weight so my fighting weight is bantamweight, so that's 135. My normal weight is about 155. I really don't give a shit about myself. Kind of, you know. Then we were starting to hit like probably 163, but I always make weight. I'm like half these hoes. That's why I have no respect for them. <laughs> Can't have any respect for the hoes not making weight. <laughs> no, absolutely none. No respect for these hoes. 2020. Yeah. How long of a weight cut? Um, I've done short. I've done short notice weight cuts for like three weeks, and then there's your full camp, which is almost about two months. But regardless, I've made the weight. I've done everything great. Yeah, 100 percent missing weight is unprofessional, and it gets under my skin the most because I have sensory issues in regards to temperature change that are drastic. So when your body is depleted of food. All your senses are heightened anyway because your body's like, find something to eat or you're going to fucking die. So not only do I have that, but I have my sensory issues. I'm boiling alive in this Epsom salt bath. So you're sitting submerged past your shoulders to, you know, you know, in this hot tub for about 30 minutes in Epsom salt while you're starving. You haven't eaten for probably a day and you haven't drank any water for about a day as well. It sucks ass. But so if I miss, make weight, despite me physically feeling like I'm hurting from the heat and these hoes don't make weight, I will have no respect for them. That's just, yeah. that's just it. 
And you know, and you've, you've seen me on Twitter before. I'm pretty mellow most of the time, but this is one of the few things I speak mm-hmm. speak up about. Missing weight is cheating. You are cheating. You're getting an it unfair is. advantage. As as you know, being a fighter, you know the weight cut takes it out of you. It is it, you. If you didn't have mm-hmm. to do the weight cut, you'd feel much better the next day when you're fighting. So someone who doesn't go through that entire process oh, is. 100% getting an advantage and statistics uh, uh, back it up. God, I think it was something like 78% of people who miss weight when they're yeah. fight. That's exactly, that's exactly what the statistics are. It's 78%. Yeah. So when I'm seeing people who miss weight fight my friend, I am cursing them out. I'm, I'm like saying shit, even at weigh-ins, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course our friend Roxy is famous for having people fail to make weight uh, against her over and over again it's mm-hmm. it, it's a crime it really is and it's affected her career i firmly believe that she'd be in a different spot in her career if she hadn't fought a whole bunch of cheaters and uh, oh i and, agree so well, you it's, know it's we ridiculous i mean even dominic cruz dominic cruz even calls it legalized cheating yeah. people will take that 20 percent purse purse cut to get that win on their record because that win on the record long term means potentially more sponsors, potentially more money making opportunities to make up for that 20% loss. And besides, you know, most, and most of them have it set up things. for us. <laughs> and, and most of them have it set up for, you know, a, a win show thing. So if they win, they'll double their money. So that it's not going to, the 20% isn't that big of a deal anyways. So yeah, it, exactly. It, yeah. The, the, the penalty and if should they be get a bump up the rack. Yeah. If they get bumped up the, up, up the bracket in the rankings, if they get, you know, a certain amount of wins, you know, they can start making more money. That will totally offset that little 20% loss. I think they should be doing what they did in Japan back in the day. Like you missed weight. They took a point away from the round, you know, or yeah. they, you know, things like that. Cause that is what you're supposed to do, you know? Cause now if you're at a point, if you're at a disadvantage in a round, like a point was taken away. Now you're in trouble. Now it matters. Right, no little right. measly 20% cut will solve it. That will. How do you feel about making changes to the actual weighing process, like changing it to a same day of the fight or things like that? Same day is rough. Same day will force everybody to go up a weight class. Because when I did same day weigh-ins, I fought at featherweight, which is 145. Because you just can't do all that depletion. Now, what I would think is an interesting change. So check it. This may be controversial, but this is what we're here for. Remember how we banned IVs because mm-hmm. everyone's saying, oh, it, oh, it, you know, it can help them hide drugs or whatnot. Why don't they have staff from said promotions watch and do the administration of IVs? Because it can prevent massive, re- you know, dehydration done to the fighters. And if it's just a saline bag, literally water and salt in the bag, there's nothing being hidden there. And especially if the promotion is it has doctors on staff of their promotion administering it. That would solve a lot of problems, you know, obviously I would not think about, you know, doing it in excess, you know, where people are like trying to really blow up and massively dehydrate themselves, but that could be something to look at. So you, so, there could so you be think- a medical liability. That's right. But that's why we would hope the doctors on staff and everybody and everybody's medicals check out first before we administer. But like I said, controversial idea, but something to hmm. think about. Now, did you uh, think uh, that up because uh, you were unhappy with them taking away the IVs? Was that something you used at one point and then weren't were not able to? Or is this sort of like hypothetical on your part? It's more hypothetical, but I honestly thought about the IV things. Cause I, th- I was thinking of how many people were missing weight or had to move up weight classes and stuff because the IVs were taken away. Mm. You know, I mean, 
I have no problem if someone's using the saline bag so they don't pass the fuck out at, if they botched a weight cut. As right, long right. as it's, you know, like I said, like it's administered safely and it's watched by doctors who are, you know, you know, who are overseeing the process. It's not some fighter going, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to stick this fucking needle in myself, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. That makes sense. Give me one second. Hey, Ryan, are you still with us? Are you okay, buddy? I'm right here. I was on mute for a while there. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Why though? <laughs> Oh, why? I actually had a barking dog. Ask Pastor Jay about his barking dogs. They're a pain in the ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I got, a, I got a dog. I got a cat. And I got a, I got a fucking cockatoo. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you have no sympathy for me. Yeah. It, it is kind of hard to be professional sometime when you got a little dog barking in the background. So occasionally we have to mute that I, shit. I feel it. Talking. <laughs> I don't gotta know gotta get that spray bottle. 99 cents. <laughs> Yeah, ninety-nine cents spray bottle solves everything. <laughs> oh, I couldn't spray my little dog. I feel bad. I'm a I'm a total wussy about my pets. They get whatever they want, which is eh, which just is, a little spritz of water. They'll be fine. <laughs> so, Ryan, you got anything you want to ask her before I move on to the next topic? I don't. I, I sometimes I feel like I'm neglecting my co-host. No, you're quarterbacking <laughs> this thing. You're the you're the interviewer here. I'm just here for the quips. Okay, so okay, go go back to drinking your white claw then. Right. Oh shit! <laughs> Me yeah, mom Ryan. having whiskey sucks yeah, for y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan is a is an avid White Claw fan. Well, I can't just sit here and pound whiskey <sighs> during the podcast. But by the end, like I would be the ultimate asshole. <laughs> well, first off, I'm not pounding whiskey. I had like maybe a shot, you know. Second off, I'll have more later since all we have to do is just sit in our houses anyways and then maybe jump on the PS4. So it's okay. <laughs> drunk on the podcast. Uh, if I drank I'd, uh, anymore, I'd probably be doing that right now. You know, I tried to have an awake club uh, the other day during the show, but I couldn't handle it. Any- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just to saying that Ryan called me an alcoholic. But look, in this quarantine, we're all alcoholics right now, most likely than not. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, I, th- yeah, I think it, I'm more talking about if I had a whiskey bottle next to me. By the end of this hour, it'd be half gone, and I would probably be, you know, punching the speaker. <laughs> so yeah, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't do moderation well either. So you know, that's like I have to stop smoking like a, an hour or two before I do the show because otherwise I'll just come on and go, uh yeah, we're gonna talk about stuff. I don't know what that stuff is right I, now, but it's gonna be stuff. <laughs> oh, to be 28 so. and still be like this, even if I'm sober, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we've pretty much covered all your fighting stuff. Let's talk about hobbies. I know you're a huge anime fan. I don't know if any of our listening yes. base uh, is, is anime people. Probably not, but I don't care. Um, what are you currently watching? <laughs> I'm currently watching Kengan Ashura, so it's an MMA anime of all things. Why are we not surprised here? So it is the most hypest shit, and it's it actually covers a lot of martial arts. Like certain fighter, like there was a Burmese bare knuckle boxer who was fighting against uh, a jujitsu player and other kind of stuff like that. Like, but it's so neat because it covers the martial arts. Mm. You know, in particular, like talking about why Burmese bare knuckle boxers have, so, you know what makes them tough, like how they break their bones and they reheal and how they just calcify or they show like what, you know, certain setups for chokes, like triangle chokes are. And, what, and Oh my God. in that anime, it showed the most accurate description of what a choke dream feels like. Like when you're fading out 
and it just feels everything the world just goes all tingling just goes out for a little bit and you have a little what i call a choke dream and then you wake <laughs> back up that anime covered it perfectly so i'm really all up in this anime is uh is that the one i think i saw like a, a preview for it where there uh, a regular sized guy was fighting a really big guy in an alleyway and some businessman was watching him fight or something and- yeah yeah that's okay. it that's the yeah. one yeah, that that's got that, that that little fight scene was pretty. I mean, it wasn't very long, but it was pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I, I really like their animation style. So you're so you're saying it's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Now, how far along into it are you? Um, I finished it all, and I'm waiting for the next season. So it's on Netflix. If you guys want to jump on and see, part time video game personal trainer, I'm a retired gamer. What games do you play? Okay, that's a good question, Slide Dog. So right now, I'm playing Ghost Recon Breakpoint because they fixed it up finally. Um, I've been also, you know, watching my siblings, you know, play Resident, the new Resident Evil 3, and I'm thinking of jumping back on that, you know, jumping on that. I mean, I may s- jump a little bit, but, you know, that's something. Um, other than that, um, I was, you know, finished up playing Persona 5, because I love my RPGs, and, God, what else was I playing before I got, uh, oh, I was playing The Division 2 because we're all having, I might as well get some virtual training about how to survive a fucking pandemic when all everything goes to hell. <laughs> so that's what I've been on. Uh, so is Division 2 good? I played the first one for a while, but I got stuck in a spot. And kinda Division 2 is really good. Division 2 is really good. I like it. They added a, a lot of really cool modes to it. And they just finally released the Warlords of New York package. So mm-hmm. now we hunt down the fucktard who started that entire pandemic from the division, the first division game. Oh, neat! So yeah, uh, so, so you play yeah. in P- you play in PS4, I believe. You, I believe you said. Yeah, for the most part, I play on PS4. I'm starting to branch out to um, to um, Steam, but yeah, for the most part, I'm staying on PS4. The PlayStation was my first love. PlayStation right. has done me good since I was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> was that, so that was the PlayStation your your first uh, gaming system? No, my first gaming system was actually the Sega Genesis. That's kind of oh, how right. I got into the fighting games and Vector Man and stuff like that. But then I went from that. I went to the SNES where I was playing um, Mega Man because I fucking love Mega Man. Still to this day, I have a Mega Man patch on my gi. And... Um, yeah, then I jumped to, to PlayStation, and then I just stayed with PlayStation ever since. Right on, right on. So yeah, you mentioned that you're a big fan of uh, RPGs. What do you think your uh, favorite one of all time is? hundred uh, percent, the Persona series. Yeah. I mean, I like Final yeah. Fantasy. I mean, but you know, some we all know some of the games have been in the series have been hit or miss. I really did enjoy Fifteen, though. Fifteen was a welcome, was kind of a welcome back for you know both the people who have been with Final Fantasy Fair, but yet it was inviting to the new generation. Mm. Um, but yeah, Persona was nice. Um, on the PlayStation, like a lot of things went over my head when I started playing, you know, because Persona was not supposed to be its own series, part of the Shin Megami Tensei uh, series. And then it just start, got popular and just became its own thing. Yes, Final Fantasy VII was awesome, but on PS1, my favorite of all time RPG was Brave Fencer Musashi, which is another gem that came from Squaresoft before they had to merge with another company and become Square Enix. But that was a really good game. I think on the PlayStation, yeah, for me, uh, I was a big fan of Final Fantasy VII. I also had a Japanese mm-hmm. uh, a version of a uh, Dragon Ball Z game that you couldn't even buy in the United States. Nice. That, that I had to rig my PlayStation to, to play because it wouldn't, because it normally wouldn't. And you had to buy like a little device that you plugged into the back of the PlayStation to fool it into thinking that it was a Japanese. Oh, PlayStation the good old. Yep. 
Yeah, I think it was a good, good old ways to get a rig in your PlayStation. I miss yeah. those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you had, and then you know, uh, uh, oh, oh, you remember this for the PlayStation that you'd have your memory card files on that big ass memory card that plugged in underneath your controller mm-hmm. for it, and like you trade yep. like save files, like you there was that Tekken save file that was floating around that had all the characters for it because no one ever really wanted to go work their way to get all the characters, and this unlocked all of them. I, I think you could get it. Yeah, off Game of Shark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, you can get it from a Game Shark, uh, but like this was like uh, just like basically a save file that you could download that came. I don't, I can't even remember how the fuck nice. I got it, but you could download it onto your like your little game card, and then me and all my friends would make copies of it and share it back and forth, so that way everyone have all the characters for Tekken and shit. And by the way, King is mm. not the best character; it's Lei Wulong. Lei is the most broken ass character. At least with King, there's some technicality to it. <laughs> okay, if you play as Lei, if you play as Eddie, Gor- uh, Eddie, if you play as June, if you play as um, that other chick, y'all are just y'all have no talent. I'm just gonna say it right now, none. Oh, <laughs> now, I can totally support that with Eddie Goro. He was the worst character ever. Just flail, flail on the buttons and do mega combos. But Lei Wu Long required skill. You had to switch to different stances and remember all the different combos for each different stance. And I was a big fan of it because eh. uh, unless you knew him well, uh, it was pretty easy to throw looks at people that they weren't that they didn't see coming. But uh, he was but, easy to deal with. No, what I hated dealing with was people who played as Yoshimitsu. Now that was a guy you had to really be on your toes with. If anybody was, you know, was good with Yoshimitsu. Right, right. Because yeah, his combos the, were really very much up, down, up, down, up, down. So you, he needed to know him well because you couldn't just do a standard block throw. It, it would, uh, it, it fucked mm-hmm. up my throat. And the teleport shit that he did. That was like oh, yeah. some other world. Sh- I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like he would sit down to the teleport ship behind you. I'm like, okay, this ain't fair. I'm yeah. mediocre at Tekken, but I played, you know, I played Tekken forever. I don't play online as much anymore. I've gotten old in the terms of esports. You know, yeah. they say Boy, once you hit 28, that. you're old and your reflexes go down. So. <laughs> Boy, do I know that feeling. <laughs> I try. I tried getting into fighting games a couple of years ago, and it was horrible. I'm like, I used to be good at this shit, but not anymore, man. I, I, there's some like 12 year old in South Korea beating the piss out of me. Yeah. Uh, the worst part is that worst one was that Fortnite game. Have you played that? Gross. I did it once. I hated it, and I teach oh. kids, and they just do all the Fortnite dances, and I'm like, I love you, kids, but I kind of want to talk, like, do a drop Sainagi on you. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's yes, bad Team no- Evil. I am. I'm, he's like talked about an anime. I was wa- I was rewatching uh, Full Metal Alchemist uh, Brotherhood. It was really good. Oh God, that's one of my Have favorites. You seen that I think yet? I, that's one of my. I think a top five for me. Best. I love that. Uh, I mm-hmm. think I think I like it better than the original one. I mean, there's subtle differences, but I think I like it better than the original Full Metal Alchemist, even though it's the same story twice, basically. Um, yeah, it's, it's just that Brotherhood was the OVA, so what it was in the manga, not that anime interpretation where they kind of be, can veer uh, off the story. Okay, I, I so see. that's the difference. I, okay, because I've seen them both, but the 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 non Brotherhood one I saw quite a while ago, and then when I saw the Brotherhood one, I, I didn't notice any real big differences. But then again, you know, I might uh, I didn't compare them episode to episode, so that, that makes a lot of sense. It was so good. I loved the entire alchemy system. It just you know it was so logical. You know, it made sense. Yeah, the philosophies, you know, the little subtle things of philosophy in there, the science, the, you know, just the character development of each character was really good. And you actually at points would feel bad for the homunculi, the bad guys Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they were made, especially, um, 
agreed. Yeah, agreed. I ended up feeling quite mm-hmm. quite sorry for near the end. Uh, and God, it had mm-hmm. some of the most heart wrenching scenes in any TV show, much less uh, in anime. Really, um, the, you know mm-hmm. the, the famous. Uh, you know, you. As a matter of fact, I'm. Uh, you, you. I bet you. You even know which episode I'm referring to. The famous fusion episode. Oh God! I have friends who still like post those kind of memes and I'm just like, yeah, this is still too soon. I don't care if it's over a decade ago. <laughs> and I, know, I do, yeah. I have played, someone just asked if I played D and have a little bit in the past, but it's been a, it's been a hot minute, but something I guess I might want to jump back into again. I mean, I hear they're making virtual like D and D now, like where you can play with your friends over like a platform or something online. So I'm like, okay. That'd be neat. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I haven't played it in a month of Sundays either, but uh, back when I was a kid, I was into it quite a bit, right up until like my early to mid 20s. And, like, you know, no, no one wanted to play anymore. They had their own stuff going on. Uh, but it'd be cool if they could do a virtual one. Uh, they do that with, they have, uh, w- have it with everything else. I play Magic the Gathering uh, online now. Um, you know, that's the game that I played back when I was in my 20s and never thought I'd ever play again. But now that they make it virtual, mm. you, you play with strangers you know, across the world, it, uh, it's easy access again. Um, hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Technology, yeah. Um, motherfuckers. <laughs> I, had some, I had someone the other day say, oh, I wish I would live back in the 60s or 70s. I'm like, you're out of your mind. I mean, other than the current weird stuff going on, I love when we live. I love technology. I love to be able to fucking port any movie or any TV show I ever wanted into my screen right now. Uh, I like being able to play video mm-hmm. games on my phone or or download a game onto my computer in, in like 15 minutes rather than go to the store. The technology today is great. Yeah, but it's still not stopping people from making stupid ass decisions in regards to fights going on. Like you saw, we all are pretty much seeing this nonsense happening with UFC 249. Like, I get the fighters need money, I get all this, but I'm really, really fucking concerned about all of it because now we're hearing that the fights not may not even be sanctioned, so that might not even count to the record. Oh, They're fighting in a Tachi casino in like native in native. No, it, it's not an island anymore. They're go, fighting at Tachi Palace, which has been closed since last month, somehow. Oh, and now, just yeah, on tribal land. And now they're doing. It's just like none of this makes sense. It's just how is this even going to happen? Like you have a skeleton crew of probably of a production team. You have the cornermen. You have the fighters. But to get these fighters here, you have to put them through what? A germy-ass airport in an airplane with God knows what. You know, fighters who, when we cut weight, our immune systems are compromised to fuck. And even after fights, our immune systems are compromised to fuck. Because we just went on overdrive with the adrenaline for, like, what? 15 to 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen fighters backstage after fights. they throwing up. They're having shivers. They're, having, they're catching a temperature. They're catching fevers after their fight because their body is just like not there. So now they're going to try and have a fight in the, during a pandemic and have this shit happening. That is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. They don't it's, care. It's, it's the thing. They absolutely do not care. It's all a dollar thing. And basically they're behind the eight ball right now. They've done what? Seven, seven shows on ESPN thus far this year. They need to hit 42. Otherwise it costs them three quarters of a billion dollars. And they don't care about health when it comes to three quarters of a billion. Yeah, it's ridiculous, mm. you know. And uh, well, it, it doesn't matter, given that the pay scale is eighty percent to the UFC and twenty percent goes to the fighters. But yet, yeah. somehow we're in talks about somebody about the president of this company renting out a fucking island. 
Yeah, it, it, it's like something out of a fucking movie. It really is, you know. And uh, and don't get me wrong, I want to see. It is this dead fight. as the plot for Mortal Kombat. Holy shit! One one <laughs> dude buys a fight island. Everybody goes in, and beats the shit out of each other. It's great. <laughs> it and would be. Die, it so would be, was- but pandemic. Yeah, it would be, Nation. but pandemic. You know, if this was happening. Like in any other circumstance, I'd be all for it. But like oh, yeah. in the midst of a pandemic, yeah. let, let's let's take a back seat here and chill. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to f- see this fight more than I want a free steak dinner. Uh, but it, it's just not realistic at this point. It, it, no one should no no one should be getting upset when this fight doesn't happen. It, you know, it's just yeah. I, God, it's been uh, delayed so many goddamn times. It's an ethics times. thing. Yeah, exactly. It's you just know, like but- how it's like how many people are you willing to explore? Like, here's the thing. Like, say this fight happens and the fight's over. Now these now these fighters have to either be stuck in that location all alone to quarantine, or they risk bringing it home to their families, to their whoever's, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I mean. Uh, don't get me wrong. I respect Dana White quite a bit for what he's done bringing the UFC uh, where it's at, but that's just the wrong 100%. decision. And you know, um, and so they you'll lose a whole bunch of money. Well, guess what? A lot of people are losing a whole bunch of money right now. It's not just you, Dana. So you know, let it yeah, go. Yeah, it's everybody. There'll, there'll be more fights. Oh, you know? Sly Dog. Sly Dog just brought up something interesting about yeah. A lot of artists have heightened senses. Like I actually teach autistic children and adults um, at my gym. Um, I have a I have a student who's on the spectrum who I do private lessons with and um, his big thing was touch, which is ironic because he's in a, you know, he's in jujitsu, but going through jujitsu, he learned how to become comfortable with touch. It was literally come, you know, learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And it brings such a joy to my face to see how at first he didn't like jujitsu. And now he's co you know, he really likes working in jujitsu you know, he, and he relates to me a lot because I told him, like, hey, man, my brain's just like you a bit. And he's like, really? And then told him about autists, you know, and how we all are. And then it just brings a smile to my face now. See him getting the moves and enjoying himself now. Like now, you know, with his touch sensitivity, it's like almost not even a problem no more. Excellent. That's excellent. Um, and I noticed that uh, you got you, you and both you and uh, Roxanne teach at the gym. Uh, you've been doing that for a couple of few years now. Uh, do you do you enjoy working with kids quite a bit? I love it because that was kind of my old job in Phil- back in Philadelphia. Is um, I worked for our county's um, you know, mental health and human services, and I was like their advisor for you know for autism. So I'd work along, you know, with you know. M- caseworkers and then do meetings with school superintendents, you know, juvenile justice and stuff about how to make, you know, things more accessible for families and clients who are on, on the spectrum and how to make them, you know, have more services available. Cause there's also a cultural thing that kind of hinders things. There are certain cultures that don't want to admit their child is autistic or their family member is because that brings a social stigma you know, that's something that has to be overcome because the more time you delay, you know, having services, the more at risk you're putting them for when they grow up and they can't get services anymore when they age out. Now they're the they're in the adult world, not knowing what to do. You know, the right. autistic um, unemployment rate is about is about 82 percent. And then on top of that, the average, uh, you know, age of autists before they die is 35. The Cliff Notes version is for, you know, high needs people, 
high needs on the spectrum if, you know, you know, accidental wanderings or drownings or things that will kill them. If that doesn't kill them, normally a caretaker will. And for the people on the spectrum who are low needs, such as myself, they're so cognizant and they're walking this line of the autistic world and trying to blend into the normal world so they don't stick out that it becomes so overbearing that a lot of them will kill themselves, you know? And that's something I'm trying to bring awareness to with my fighting is this like, we're not going to be stuck in this kind of thing. We're not the stereotypes that people think of autism. We can thrive too, as long as we have a good, you know, support system. And, and thank God you found one too. Um, and from mm-hmm. everything I understand, you know, like uh, I've uh, talked to your family before on Facebook and such, you know, and obviously they've been a great support to you. You've got Roxy supporting you, who is obviously like the best person in the entire goddamn world. Um, yeah, 100%. Definitely. Yeah, and that's that's actually how I met Serena. Is uh, when I went to go visit uh, Roxy in Vegas uh, a couple few years ago, and uh, I talk. I've been talking to, with Serena on uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, for me and my wife's honeymoon, we decided we're going to go visit them in uh, Vegas. So me and uh, Serena and Roxy hung out and had uh, dinner, and uh, that's how I got to meet her. And I've, uh, I've been friends with her ever since. Went back and visited them. I go back and visit them in uh, Vegas every couple of years when I can, and which means I'm, we're about due again. We need to hit a buffet, man. Hell yeah! I yeah. love food, especially when I don't have to cut weight. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably oh, why I'm go. still single is because every time a guy takes me out for dinner, I'll probably eat him into bankruptcy. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, the buffets are good for that. So next time, next time we go, well, what do Very you recommend? Much so. Buffet. Um, which one did we go to last time? I forget because oh, it's been see. a hot it minute. Was, it was the MGM the first time. Uh, last time was uh, the Orleans, I think. The one at the win is really good from what I hear. So oh, yeah. that's something to check out. Yeah, yeah. Or or if we want to get really fancy, wasn't the the Bellagio or something like that? It's supposed to be a really fancy uh casino with a really nice hey. Yeah. I'm down for that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, last time we last time we uh, <laughs> visited, we went to what was the name of that place? There's uh, for people unfamiliar with Vegas. Uh, in addition to the uh, uh, strip, there's also a downtown area which is a little bit older. Uh, Fremont Street. Fremont Street, yeah, yeah, it's uh, a little more real Vegas. I, I like to call it than the uh, the Strip is, and uh, we went to uh, like a container park restaurant place. Uh, it was very odd and interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, I love I mean, Container I, I Park. I mean, it's the just the perfect place to go drink. Yeah, the actual name of the whole complex, oh, excuse me, is um, is Container Parks. So they have like a they have a praying mantis statue that lights on fire here and again, and then just good places to eat concerts good place to drink like i love it <laughs> yeah it was a good time it was too far for me at that point uh i i have shitty feet and that, that was like day three of me walking around and by that point i was pretty much a fucking cripple i don't know if he noticed or not <laughs> i could barely walk Every i noticed was- and i and i sympathized <laughs> Uh, it was funny though. Uh, I actually got stopped by a security guard on my way into the ho- uh, hotel at one point because he thought I must have been homeless person or something. <laughs> He's like, uh, "Can I help you?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going back to my room. Uh, can I see your, you know, your car, your room key?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, yeah." He's like, "Oh, sorry about that, sir. I just, you know, just making sure." Which I didn't say anything because, like I said, I was staggering so much I looked like I was either homeless or dead ass drunk. <laughs> but it was a good time. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it looks 100%. like we're getting- it looks like we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about or promote or anything like that before we get out of here? 
Um, I just want to thank you guys for letting me um, be on here. If you guys want to follow me, I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at Serena Southpaw. It's all one word. And y'all can follow me there. I mean, I might start a you know, game with people on the PS4. So if y'all got PS4s, let me know. Shoot me a message. And um, I'll keep y'all updated on when I fight. I mean, obviously, it's going to happen when this pandemic is over, hopefully. But, um, yeah, come keep on contact. And thank you guys for thinking I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you're always more than welcome to come back to the show. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, Ryan, you got anything you want to ask her before we get out of here? Or are you busy shoving food in your face? I am not going <sighs> to be an asshole and eat while we're still on the air. So I'll, I'll give that a little bit. So other than that, <laughs> no, nothing for me other than the fact that you're fired. Serena is more interesting than you. So uh, we'll have a new lineup tomorrow. <laughs> I can't argue with that really. I'll se- I'll send in my I'll send in my contract and my pay and my payment amount then tonight. Oh, oh, bad news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not making a lot of money here yet. We'll 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 keep you on mind, in mind though. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here then. As always, this has been the Other Ground Live. You can catch us every day at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I am Passive J. That's Ryan over there. Say bye, Ryan. Fuck you all. <laughs> and that has been Serena Southpaw Fuck as our you guest. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Serena. You guys have a great night. Yeah, no worries. All right. Take care. All right. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs> we'll see everyone tomorrow. 